Hello, my name is still Dana, and I'm still an alcoholic and an addict. Today's series is one of the most important things I've ever recorded in my life. My conversation will be with my dear friend, Sarah. You might remember her from the depression episodes we did, which everybody seemed to like a lot. We're both very forthcoming, honest people, and we're going to talk about some honest stuff, beginning with the fact that Sarah now has stage four metastatic ovarian cancer. In this first episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the big book, some vanilla extract, honesty, cancer meds, ovarian cancer, and how you can't find out from video chats that you have stage four cancer. We will also be discussing opiates in recovery when they are prescribed to you. Let's join the conversation. Welcome to Radio Rehab. Here's your host, Dana Keys. What'd you do to yourself, honey? What happened? That vanilla extract and I fell. Oh my God. You must have been like snorting it or smoking it or IVing it. No, it just does not work with Prozac. And that's what my doctor said. She was like, you just did the wrong thing. Oh my God. I'm on Oxycontin and I can't get that high. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. Well, I didn't even mean to. It was just like vanilla extract and some milk. And I literally, I don't know what happened. I fell out of bed. I knocked a dresser over. My, I thought I cracked my knee. Oh, and baby. Why does my chin hurt? And I mean, yeah, it looks like I'm transitioning right now and into a trans person. It No, it looks like someone brutalized you. Yeah, no one did. <laughs> um, it's like you're going through every paragraph of the big book and living it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I'll do the milk chapter today. <laughs> Next thing you know, you'll be running in front of buses. <laughs> oh yeah, I be the jaywalker. I get the jaywalker. I I do it all the time. I'm like, oh, that fire's hot. I'm gonna try again. Oh, it's still hot. Yeah, I told. I'm the. I I get the jaywalker. Everyone laughs at the jaywalker, but I'm like, I, I get. No, that I guy. get the jaywalker too. I think it's a great analogy. It really has worked for me to think of it that way. You know, because it is like that. It's like everything else. I'm pretty sane. That thing. It's like, don't talk to me about it. It's my business. (laughs) (laughs) You just don't get it. Exactly. Yeah. We'll probably keep this in the interview, but let's just like start the interview. Let's just start the thing anyway. With a combo. Okay. I like that. We're not not taping it like you can see us, but we're recording it. Listen, I'm okay with it chemo has been oddly good for my skin. People have been telling me that I look really good. I skin does look ridiculous. I think it's something, I don't know. Somehow chemo is like, it's like poisoning me down to my original cell. So like whatever it was, I was at my core. I am now. Cause it's like everything else is just falling out. It takes off the epidermis or something. I have no clue what it is, but people have been telling me my skin looks good. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. It looks like you've been getting a lot of facials. Yeah, and I haven't even been leaving the house very much. I find it daunting a bit to leave the house with the mask, the wig, the this, the that. It's just sort of like, why? Let's just go home. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But you also live in the Castro where people just kind of live like that with the mask and the wig and the whole thing. 
Yes, true. It's not that I'm alone. I just don't like it. I know. I, I <laughs> there know. are many out there with the mask and the wig. Yeah. I, I feel like I would say like, oh, that'd be cool for me. But it, no, I would, I would probably freak out. I just feel so delicate these days, you know, um, going out in the world because, you know, people are normal and they don't know, especially because my wig is so bloody good. They don't know necessarily that I'm like sick, you know, and so they brush past you and they're like, you know, they're 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 the land of the living. That's right. the way I think of it. They're like in the land of the living. They have places to go. They have their, you know, their attitudes, beliefs, thoughts, friends, things going on. Whereas I'm like from a different place, you know, I'm just sort of like, oh yeah, no, I'm receding a bit. Yeah. Is that how you feel? Like you're receding? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I do. I just feel like my preoccupations are different. Right. And not altogether worse, you know? I get that. I kind of get that. Yeah. It's so have we begun? Are we going to, I was thinking more about the, um, the spiritual we're, we're going right or do you want to yeah we're going yeah. let's just talk because everyone everyone loved our depression episode that was like one of everyone's favorite episodes really they love the depression so the death one is a natural <laughs> yeah yeah full we circle could, we could call this death and vanilla or yes. extract of death yes <laughs> death extract as have well. you have you told your listeners about your thing yet no, I was waiting to talk to you about it because okay. I love producer Shar to death, but she's not an addict and she's not an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. You're listening. Going, like I've watched her nurse like a drink that has 3% alcohol for three hours. And I'm just like, oh my God. Like she's just so not an addict or an alcoholic. God so bless I, her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And, and, and so I felt like, you know, if I'm going to talk about this, I want to talk about it with you. And Thank you. I'm really flattered. I, I love that. I love that. Like my lived experience is, is enough to make me a person you would want to talk to about something. I'm, Nothing more than that. Person. <laughs> so what do we talk about first vanilla or cancer? Oh, I think, I think we got to start with vanilla. Okay. Let's start with vanilla. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So, you know, there's this guy, Dak Shepard, and he has a podcast and he was an addict and he relapsed. And of course he's famous. So he can get like Russell Brand on his show and things like that. So <laughs> you're stuck with me. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just I'm saying. Totally joking. Totally joking. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah Dak Shepard relapses and it's, and it's like front page news on recovery today or whatever. And he has a podcast and he announced it. But when I did this vanilla thing, my shame was terrible. I, I was like, how am I going to tell my listeners? But then again, that's been my whole vibe, this whole radio rehab thing. My whole vibe has been, this is so I can tell you what it looks like if somebody relapses. This is so I can tell you what it looks like to be a real addict and, and shit might happen. And mm. it did. It did. Pandemic did not work well for me. I also think your relapse is, is actually really interesting and can be really helpful for someone because it is the, it is like the, in one sense, since what you went out on was extract of vanilla, it is the daintiest, strangest, most doily of relapses. And look at you, you look like you've like, you know, you've literally taken one on. Like this yeah. disease is so weird. There is no drug small enough. Yeah, I know. 
And I was lying to myself, you know, like I told you, like there's some vanilla extract that says it's bourbon vanilla extract. And I'm like, I'm not going to buy that. That's bourbon. That's booze. But I'm buying the other kind that has exactly the same amount of alcohol in it and telling myself if I dump this in milk, this is what my grandmother would have given me when I was little because she did. But it was a teaspoon Mm -hmm. dunk. It was a teaspoon Mm -hmm. and it, it would help me sleep. But yeah, I went from that at night because I couldn't sleep with anxiety to then at 5 p.m. I also felt anxious. So then I did it then too. And then at noon, I was feeling anxious again and it it, it progressed. So like what they say about the progression of the disease is no joke. I, I mean, I like, I literally progressed until I ended up like on my face on the floor and had to be taken to the hospital. With vanilla extract. Yeah. And, and the doctor said, she said, you know what? The one thing that really messed you up was that the fact that you're on Prozac, you cannot take alcohol and Prozac. You can't. We, we, you and I, and all the rest of your listeners, people like us have been so cavalier about labels on bottles and like, what's going to kill us. And like, please give me a break, you know? And, right. give, and, and look, those, those prissy jerks, maybe they were right. You know? Maybe they were. I know it because I was our humility. Yeah, (laughs) I hate the humility. I know you have to not use heavy machinery or whatever it is the label says. Who, you know? I mean, there was a time when it said you can't use heavy machinery. I'd be like, "That's my drug." Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a symbol that it's one of the good ones. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, it started during the pandemic because I'm, I'm I'm not like. I don't want to be one of those people that's like, yes, your honor, I'm guilty, but let me explain. But I do still feel like that a little bit. Yeah, but we're not in court here. We're, we're trying to get like, I think, I think you're not alone in, it's funny, we'll talk later. My pandemic experience was so different, but you are not alone in having like a weird ass time. I mean, yeah. it's bizarre for everybody. And then add our issues. Right. And I don't have a hobby. Like you paint, you draw, you do stuff like my hobby was radio and that got cut the fuck off. I mean, I was still doing it. And you moved. Yeah. Let's make a list of all the things that were going on that started what happened, like that were the the the, the genesis of the relapse. Okay. okay. I, what, what happened? Before I moved though. What? It started before it, I moved. It started before you moved. Oh, okay. That's interesting. So you were already like putting your toe in. Yeah, just a little bit before I moved. I was like, I'm depressed. I can't go to the studio and record. I'm mm-hmm. sending my voice tracks in and they're just voice tracks. I can't even hear the music. I'm not in a studio. It doesn't feel like I'm in radio and it takes me 45 minutes to do my job. It was depressing. You know, meanwhile, I listened to my husband work all day long. Ugh, me too. Yeah, and he, he loves it. So loud. So loud. <laughs> oh my God, I could do his job. I could be a techie right now. <laughs> I'm sure you could be whatever your husband, I, I, you could be, you could do your husband's job right now. Cause I've been hearing it. Oh, <laughs> and then like, yeah. yeah. And then I just got really fucking sad and I felt like it's never going to go back to normal and we moved. And then I was hoping I'm going to move to LA and I'm going to find this like noon meeting with all these old ladies and they're going to help me and it's going to be great, but it's the pandemic and there aren't, there's nothing like that. Those old ladies are not leaving the house. No. Oh, not at all. Of course not. Why would they? Yes. I didn't get to go to live meetings and Zoom just is different. 
it's okay. I, I mean, I'm going to continue to do, especially now I'm going to do it like twice a day, but mm-hmm. it's like, it's, it's different. It's not, it's not why I joined the program. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Some people are, again, it's, you know, there are, there's no black and white in this. Some people are joining up on zoom now that hadn't before and they're doing great. Like some, for they're, some called people, zoomers. they're called what zoomers and they hate it. <laughs> it's a boomer but yeah they're zoomers they just joined during zoom yeah <laughs> That's so weird it is just a different strange ass world and we adapt the best we can and you know i guess the bottom line is it's a it's a relapse that's that's it you know yeah i'm glad the worst that happened is your chin well i will and my chin my heart my head Got a little yeah. knee thing too. I hit my knee at some point. I don't, whatever. <laughs> Your husband didn't leave you, and you don't have to detox, right? Right. I well, I did have to go to the hospital that night, but it was amazing because the doctor was. By the time she finally came to see me, I was like, "Look, here, I'm going to make your job real easy." Because there were a bunch of people freaking out for different reasons all over the ER, and I was mm-hmm. like, "Look, I had five and a half years sober." And I started abusing vanilla extract. I know what my problem is. It's that. Can you help me? And she put her hands on my shoulder and was like, you have no idea how many people I've seen come in with like 10, 12, 17 years, like who went out on vodka, bourbon and like everything else because of the pandemic. It's not good for you guys. You guys need your your camaraderie and your, you know, that's what we need. And she was so non-judgmental and just beautiful about it. Like they didn't try to poke me with needles. She was just like, here, let me give you some Librium and send Ugh. you home. And, and I was okay. The next day I shook, which shows how much I was drinking vanilla extract. I you love know? that broad. And I love that you could just simply come out and tell her without like 60 million explanations or rationalization. Yeah. yeah. I was just like, here's what I did. I fucked up. I fucked up. And, you know, and I'm sobbing and I'm like, you don't understand the shame, you know? And she said, I do. Cause I've seen it. Yeah. But it's so shameful, Sarah, because it's like, I've been trying to get clean since I was 16 years old and it took me that long to get five and a half years. Five and a half is solid. Yeah. But like, what, what do I have now? Like four days. <laughs> like, I like it. <laughs> You know, I have have nothing intelligent to say about sobriety. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to veer into my thing. Okay. So I too, I'm suffering with manifestation. uh, Like, am I sober? Am I not? I am. Um, So my pandemic experience was I, it really, in the beginning, it really suited, it suited me. Like my husband, even though he like talks on zoom all day, really loudly, you know, we've just been shutting the door and it's been okay. Creatively, it's been, I got a lot of good things happened to me personally. Uh, I mean, professionally during COVID, you know, it was great for my art. I went into the studio less. I did more watercolors, but I still painted and I got a lot of, like a lot of, I sold a bunch of shit, got into some great shows. It was like extremely positive, affirming little career time in my life. And yoga uh, on Zoom works for me. Like my yoga sometimes became like dealing with the asshole next to me 
you know, and if they were taking up too much space or if I got the right, you know, place in the room, you know, like there were a lot of sidelines that were like, okay, just breathe through, you know, and having to get there on time and did my, I bring my towel, my hair time, my this, my that, you know, Zoom yoga took care of all of that. My mat is just right there in the living room by the enormous TV. It was easy. I could just fall right into it. So pretty much things were going, I would say it was like a, a really good, and a couple of other female artists I know also had the same experience of it being an extremely positive time. But then, oh, here's my public service announcement. Yeah. This is important. Okay. Yeah. If you're a woman of a certain age and you're feeling like uncomfortable, like in your abdomen or gynecological area, listen, they're good. The first thing, even no matter how good your insurance is, is they'll, they'll want to do a video chat with you, you know? That's not a good idea. You need a sonogram. You need a sonogram. Right. So, you know, I was there. I was, I actually took a trip. I was skiing in Aspen with my brother. I was having a great time, you know, but I noticed that I was like, like something was up with my stomach and I knew something was up. And I talked to the doctor before I left because I needed to get a COVID test anyways. Right. And she was like, oh, you dealt with the gynecologist last year. You're just fine. You know, uh -huh. and then I was like, listen, I have a distended abdomen. There's nothing I can do. And she's like, oh, take take gas X, you know, uh -huh. and then we did a video call. It, it was I was having such a hard time. And I had my husband in the other room screaming, don't undersell this. So I was really trying to like, uh, you know, <laughs> something is whacked out. And still it was like video visits and phase and whatever. And finally, finally, I got the sonogram, which indicated something was wrong and then skipped to it. I have stage four metastatic ovarian cancer. Like it's bad, you know, and uh, I couldn't do surgery because it was too much. It had metastasized too far. So I do chemo first and then I get to do, I get to do surgery after three chemos. So I'm getting preparing now for surgery and then I get three more chemos. And like, they are so great where I'm seeing them and they're so jolly and upbeat, but they'll never tell you. Like I looked it up online and I think there's something like 17% chance of survival. But but I but that's not the, you know, that's not what they tell you when you go to the doctor. They're like, oh, Kit Kat, and you're getting the best care, and it's gonna be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, but then you look at what it says, and then it's like, okay, like so, you know, I think it's one of those things that it comes back a lot. Like they'll kill it, they'll kill it, they'll kill it, they'll kill it, but then it's gonna come back. Anyways, the one thing it does for sure is it destroys your stomach. You know, I, I was an opiate addict. That was my drink of choice. You know, I'm an alcoholic and a member of AA for like 12 something years. But, you know, uh, I was an opiate addict from young because I always had a stomach ache. My stomach was always not OK. You know, and I learned early that that like if I didn't want to spend my whole life thinking about my stomach, I should take a bloody pill and go live my life. And that, of course, led to massive addiction and problems and that led to me holding, cleaving to my seat in AA. Right. Yeah. But now I'm back, you know, and it's been a mixed bag of tricks to, uh, to be back on opiates. On one hand, you know, thank God I like opiates. You know, there's people out there who really oh, hate opiates. And they hate it. And they get like <laughs> mother. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Really? She'll take one and give her bottle to her friends. And I'm like, oh, what about me? No, she'll never give me that so crazy right like yeah so anyways how do i feel about being an aa while i'm on what i just learned recently this last one they gave me 
is is oxycontin like you know that was like that was like up there i mean i'm so old i was a heroin addict when i was you know but, but but oxy is like you know that's that's oxycontin is gold standard stuff and uh okay so i i literally if i want to be sitting here talking to you or getting some work done or doing some yoga um i pretty much have to take it and it doesn't even and this is the worst it's not even getting me high you know because yeah, you're really um, sick because you have cancer yeah. yeah, it's just not giving me a buzz. Anyways, if I didn't take it, I would be like in my bed under the covers, like like being, first of all, I'd be very cranky and mean and snappish to my poor husband who, aside from having a job where he has to talk a lot, is, is, is taking beautiful care of me, you know? So like being snappish with him is would be so self-defeating. So I would be snappish with him. I'd be in pain. I'd be moaning and doing nothing but feeling sorry for myself and all that. So I made this choice to do the drugs. Right. However, it's, it's fucking up my relationship a little bit with the program. I understand that. I understand that because my dad also went through cancer. My dad was also an opiate addict and they gave him opiates and he was like, I can't take this. And I've been actually in since the whole vanilla extract thing, I've been talking to my dad's sponsor. I think he's got like 40 something years. And, but what he told my dad was, that was prescribed for people with cancer who are dying and that's you and yeah. you get to take it. It's not prescribed for somebody like me with the pain of life. You know what I mean? I don't get to take it. There's, I have no right to take it, nor do half the people who take it have a right. Yeah. You got cancer. You're sick. You're dying. Your bones are in pain. Yeah. That it was, it's prescribed for a reason. It still feels like there's, okay. This is a, uh... The thing that feels funny sometimes is like, how much are you supposed to suffer before you allow yourself to take a pill? Do you take it before prophylactically when you're feeling fine because you know you're going to need it or you think you're going to need it, you know, once you're out on the road and have to do something. Right. And then there's like, I spoke some, a lovely person and all these people I have no, honestly, I don't think they're wrong and I don't have a resentment, but I'm just going to tell you the story because that's what we're doing here. We're chatting. So um, someone hooked me up with a friend of theirs who also was in the program and had ovarian cancer. And uh, maybe this woman's cancer wasn't as bad as mine, which is possible. I don't know. But like I was talking to her and I said, you know, I've made the decision to use drugs. You know, I was an opiate addict. This isn't easy, but I do not want to spend, you know, you know, this time here, uh, only focused on my body, my pain, blah, blah, blah. I'd like to, you know, do the stuff that I do that makes me, I don't know. I just wanted, I wanted to continue with art and yoga, the two things I do and being a decent human being to the people around me. I have a husband, I have a kid, I have friends. I just want to continue to be of service in a relationship kind of way and the other stuff. Um, so this is, this is my rationale, you know, for why I'm going to use opiates. And she said to me, are you sure this isn't your disease talking? You know, and obviously she meant, she meant, she meant, uh, you know, alcoholism, not. And, and a part of me at first, I was like, whoa, sister. But a part <laughs> of me was like, maybe she's right. I mean, but that lingers with me. I mean, she's not 100% wrong. Maybe a part of me is like down for it. Or maybe this was just me trying so hard to like thinking so much about it. Anyways, I don't necessarily think she's wrong. But it does come up in my mind sometimes, and it makes me, um, bottom line, I am no longer, no longer is AA the primary force in my life. I mean, right now it's about comfort 
and getting through whatever this next stage is with, you know, as much grace and dignity as I can muster. It's not being a good AA. So that's weird to finally live a life where AA is not, I'm not putting my uh, recovery from drugs and alcohol before everything else. I'd like to thank you for listening and I'd really like to thank my dear friend Sarah for being so forthcoming and sharing her story with us in this episode. Stay tuned for the next episode where we discuss recovery during cancer, prescription drugs, the 11th step, meditation, and yoga practice and how clinging to life causes suffering. If you want to be on the show or you know anyone who should be on the show, please contact us. The email is radiorehab at gotoproductions.com. That's G-O-T-O productions.com. You can also call or text 415-496-9511, even when we're not in studio. And on all the socials, it's at Radio Rehab Dana, D-A-Y-N-A. Thank you for listening. Keep coming back.